I'll do the introduction. Welcome to Weaver Dice. Introducing a world that's uh, in dire straits. The villains are on top of the food chain and the heroes aren't doing so hot. Turnover rate's pretty damn high in this world. Uh, this will be the first episode of our podcast about the tabletop game in the same universe as the popular web serial Worm by uh, J.C. McRae. Also known as Wildbow. Yes, and uh, you can find him on his website, uh, Parahumans at WordPress. W what's his website? Is that it? It's it's parahumans.wordpress.com, I think. Or you can talk to him on the Parahuman server. Yeah, he's one of those artists, one of those authors. That's a person that you can communicate with. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Uh, just don't bother him on the writing days. Yeah, just don't bother him on the writing days. So, uh, for those of you who don't know what Worm is, uh, we can take a step back and explain the premise of the, of the setting of uh, the web serial novel. Uh, broadcast. Oh, we forgot to tell who we are. So, yep, I am Broadcast. And I'm uh, Johnny B. Good. And we'll be your hosts for today. We're not very good, as you can see. And I'm sure by the time you hear it, all of this will come out in the correct order. Most certainly, somehow, some way. Somehow, some way. Okay, so Worm is a web serial written by J.C. McCree, and it's about a young girl named Taylor Hebert who develops po the power to control bugs, basically. The entire setting takes place in what's kind of referred to as, like, the, I don't know, the parahuman verse. I guess that's the, the best Something way to describe like it. Something like that. Yeah. On uh, Earth Bets, no Earth Prime, no with Earth Zero, Earth Bet. It follows Taylor as she basically becomes a new superhero to a villain, and it documents from start to finish her rise and fall to power. Yes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and a whole lot of stinging insects. Those definitely are her favorite. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, if you want a story that takes the concept of a superhero and approaches it from a different angle... Okay, well, now that's popular. But in 2011, that was, uh, that was a more recent-ish idea. Okay, there was also Watchmen. But this does it in a different, different way. Worm itself is can generally be described as kind of a grimdark superhero world. It's not like Marvel. It's not like DC. A lot of it is very I wouldn't say gritty. it's too grimdark. Oh, yeah, gritty, definitely. But it also hues closer to reality. So, like, people have weird powers. People have scary powers. People have dangerous powers. But they're also people. Even the even the ones that are crazy, they come from somewhere. They have, a, they have an extra layer of depth to them. And uh, unlike what you might see in another story, a quote-quote generic story, what the person, who the person is, and what they can do are intrinsically linked. Can't have one without the other. That's a bit of a rule. Would you agree or disagree? I would agree that that is a fairly accurate assessment of Worm. All of the characters are written, are written very realistically. There's not a whole lot of, like, 
kind of, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. it. It feels all very real. The characters feel real. It feels like people who got superpowers, not just superheroes. They still feel very human. Yeah, and people with <clears throat> poor coping mechanisms. So, that is the Wormverse, the Parahumansverse. Now, a derivative of that universe is a tabletop game called Weaver Dice. Kind of like uh, Mutants and Masterminds in that it uses superpowers. It takes elements from the Wormverse and Parahumansverse and it translates them to their own unique situations, uh, locales, powers, and people. Yeah, it's by it's by the author. It's by Wildbow. Uh, he has a direct hand in making the game. It's not like he's not a licensed per se. He's directly involved in the development of the game. So it's like a companion piece to the to the novel Worm and its sequel Ward, which is out now. Well, I mean, it's been out for a couple of years now. I think it's ending now. Uh, but hey, if you if you read Worm, liked Worm, might like Ward, might like Glow Worm, the one that's in between. And if you like both of those, or at least one of those, you're definitely gonna want you're gonna want to look into Weaver Dice. We love our W words, but yes, Weaver Dice yeah, is pretty a system wicked. that Wildbo created, and a lot of it's it's interesting because the system is unfinished as of right now. But yes, that's important to mention. We're working on it. A lot. He's working on it. We're helping. Yes, that's the big part. A lot of. Uh, a lot of development in the game is actually done by fans. Of course, we get his approval to do stuff, but the game is constantly being upgraded and reworked, and new rules are being added, and old stuff is being revised. Basically, it's kind of in a beta stage right now, where the games that are happening are using the rule sets as they come out and as they are revised and refined. Yeah, and everything else, we sort out like the Wild West. Take it out, back, shoot it. I mean, fix it as we go along. So, knowing this, what is Weaver Dice? What actually is Weaver Dice? Well, like I mentioned before, it, Weaver Dice is your is like a tabletop game, kind of like D and D, kind of like Venus and Masterminds, in which usually the Ghostbusters RPG. The Ghostbusters RPG? Oh, you have no idea! It's like my favorite game. It's like the first rules light tabletop RPG. We wouldn't have Vampire without it. We wouldn't have Weaver Dice without it. Huh. I didn't know yeah. that Ghostbusters commanded such a following. I mean, it should. But, uh... Maybe on the next episode of our Ghostbusters RPG podcast, we'll talk. Yeah, you know, this is... This is now the Ghostbusters RPG podcast. Well, Busta makes me feel good. But, uh, on Weaver Dice, the foundation for this the system... It's pretty simple, all things considered. Whenever you want to do something, you're going to roll a d6. Just generally speaking, one d6, six-sided die. And if you got four or higher, that's generally a success. This can be modified by your attributes. Just to determine how good you are at, uh, at brawn, how strong you are, or uh, wits, how aware you are. If you have higher points than that, you add a static bonus, so like just ones and twos, addition to the roll. Your modifiers, if you will. And if you're bad at it, that's a negative. Generally, as long as it's a four or higher, that's a success. Pretty simple foundation. A lot of what your rolls pertain on, they pertain on 
uh, what your power does, like Johnny mentioned, uh, your attributes, your stats, and your skills. A lot of those will add dice, usually. They will add static modifiers, like plus ones or plus twos. It, it or they'll give you no <laughs> new ways to use your dice. Yes, but he is right. This is a primarily D6 system. There are some times where, you know, it might specify other dice, but that's usually written out and is more or less the exception to the rule. More often than not, you will be using a 1D6. Yes, and whenever you're allowed to have more dice, you always pick the highest, unless otherwise said. Knowing that, mm -hmm. do you want to go into the different stats? Alright, sure. Uh, do you have the attribute rainbow out? I do. Alright, let's start with a red. Color of uh, being strong, it's brawn. Brawn is your uh, basic strength stat for stuff like, uh, for most, like, unarmed melee attacks, stuff like moving, uh, grappling others, you're going to use the brawn stat. Yeah, more points you have, stronger you are. Uh, less points, you get weaker. A brawn of zero, that is when, like, if you've taken damage or you have sass effects that basically reduce your brawn to zero, uh... You, you cannot. Yeah, you can't lift. Uh, now on to orange. That'd be athletics. Athletics is your uh, basic dodge stat, among other things. It's your movement stat. It Running and jumping. It, yeah. Uh, it qualifies for your running and jumping, your dodging, and it, I think it also qualifies for how much you can move per round. Usually you get about 40 feet of movement per round. Each round is about six seconds or so i thought it was 30 30 or 40 i think some uh gms kind of hand wave it at times like i said it's kind of a the system is not done yet so there is unfortunately a, a bit of hand waving sometimes but i think it's mostly just to keep things fun rather than yeah have everything be a rules crunch I think we should go over the attributes in the general sense, and then dive right into powers. Sounds good to me. Alright, so after athletics, your dodge stat is yellow for dexterity. Fine hand manipulation, uh, point- <clears throat> Your ability to uh, catch stuff, your ability to handle things with, you know, accuracy, guns, range weaponry. It's, it's sort of, it's the range stat. A lot of these can be kind of uh, mm -hmm. boiled but down. if you have a finesse weapon like a rapier uh, then you can use that light weaponry, knives, stuff like that yeah maybe if you like grow swords out of your arms you could use that yeah there's a lot uh, within all the documents about which weapon qualifies for which stat so it's not more or less you have to just kind of guess it's always specified yep now, after yellow is green, and that's wits. <clears throat> that's for keeping your that's for keeping your uh, <clears throat> your focus, uh, seeing things in your environment, getting ahead in terms of your thoughts. It's kind of your mental fortitude stat compared to the more physical fortitude stat, like guts. Uh, wits is something that might be used if you're trying to resist a mental attack, like uh, emotion manipulation. Like if uh, 
Yeah, if you were getting... If you're trying to see through an illusion. If you're trying to see through an illusion, yeah. It's basically... I mean, kind of says the name. It's your wits. It's your ability to see through uh, mental effects. Yep. Oh, I mean, when you can. Okay, then, uh... Blue, that's, <clears throat> uh... No. That is your... Knowledge. Knowledge stat. Which is probably pretty self-explanatory. Not only is it your, uh basic sense of how smart you are where wits is something like common sense no is more like your actual intelligence book smart mm -hmm. no affects your skill pips where you you have a number of skill pips equal to your knowledge score times two the, i should mention the baseline to all stats in weaver dice is three without adding or subtracting any stats mm -hmm. it's three across the board so, an average character has six skill pips on its own. Yeah, and then you can uh, push one up by pushing another. Yeah. So, if you want a plus one to... And that's how you sort of tweak them the way you want. If you want a plus one to brawn, you have to take a minus one to some other stat. And knowledge, it isn't really all book smarts. There are physical skills. Knowledge never hurts to have because of all the all the little benefits you get. Oh, we forgot to mention social. Social is oh, your yes. charisma. It's your ability to convince others, to talk to others. I've seen social sometimes used for uh, certain attacks that make use of more like emotional effects. I can't believe I forgot what color the rainbow is. Social does come before and all. But a lot of these stats are pretty straightforward. Social is your charisma stat. If it if it helps to kind of get like a one-to-one -one, uh, analogy. Yeah. Talking, uh, deceiving, tricking, uh, using your people. word. Yeah, that's all in social. And then finally, we have our final stat guts which is like i mentioned before it's your physical fortitude stat. it's your blocking stat it's not something you want to neglect in a game where you're very likely to die yes indeed not only does guts uh matter for your blocking it also is the number of wounds you can sustain baseline is three guts which means that you have three hits before you need to make an unconscious or death roll yeah, and depending on what you're hit with, that can happen fast. Weaver Dice is a pretty violent system at times. If you get a bad roll, it's it can be very easy to die. Now, generally speaking, you won't die in one hit. But I'd suggest wearing armor just in case it does. Yep. But Guts decides how many wounds you have and decides how you block. You have two Guts... So you took a minus one to guts for some other stat. You only have two wounds. So a lot of what the stats are in Weaver Dice, they're balanced for if you want to take a plus one to something, you risk uh, that minus one coming back to haunt you. So if you took a minus one to social for some other stat and you tried talking your way out of a very dangerous situation, it's that much easier to fail the check in which case you can kind of be up a creek without a paddle 
I wish I'd suggest that you take them. <laughs> you, you, if you're going to take a point out of social, it better go right back into guts. It does pay to allocate stats and skills for surviving. That is very important in Weaver Dice. Yes, you want to allocate wisely. It's why it's not suggested that a GM let players put one of their stats to one. That that will come back to haunt you much quicker. Yeah, that's very dangerous on a D6 system. For uh, reference, if you have a, if like a if a, your check is you need to get a four plus to pass it, and you have a minus two is that you need to get a perfect natural six. You have a one in six chance of actually passing that if you have a minus two to any stat. And if it's a, if you need a five or higher, you, you already can't do it. Exactly. So a lot of Weaver dice is kind of it, it does kind of fit where it's like it's a it's a give and take system. It's risk versus reward. With an emphasis on risks. It does help balance playstyles if you want a more physically focused character or if you want to lean your skills and stats into a particular playstyle. I think it's really good at balancing out your strengths with this constant weakness that you now have. So it prevents players off the bat from being too overpowered. There's no like magical concoction of stats and skills that automatically makes your character broken. You'll always have a weakness. Mm -hmm. However, just saying, if you put, if you get a lot of guts and a lot of endure, it's going to be slightly harder to be disintegrated. I learned that one from experience. Just a smidge. So, that's your stats. Pretty simple. I think uh, it's it's a little bit more. It's, I guess I would say it's it's, it's definitely smaller than some like D and D. I feel yeah, like it's it maps a, to some things you might know it, from those games. Similar concepts, but handled differently. Yeah, Weaver Dice takes from a lot of different games, and I think the, a lot of the stuff is ported over very well. But yeah, stats is one half of your character creation. Let's talk about skills. Skills? There are a lot of skills in Weaver Dice. You have... Yeah, maybe we shouldn't go too finely into those. It sort of ties into attributes. Like, anyone can see the skills... Uh, I think we should go on to powers next. Or unless you want to talk about some particular skills. Oh, no, there's not really any particular skills. It's just that Weaver Dice is broken up into... Uh, not skill trees or anything, but... Different skills correspond to different stats. So, the Charm skill corresponds to Social. The Brawl skill corresponds to Brawn. It's pretty simple. What's but... nice is that Martial Arts is a Knowledge skill. So as long as you have like a pip in that, if you have like a, if you have like good knowledge, you won't be useless in a fight. That is true. Some skills do kind of, there's like kind of dual skills where I believe reflexes is one of them where it kind of leads into dex and wits, where you might have two different roles depending on how you try to leverage that skill. Yeah. So it encourages different kinds of play styles. Uh, I guess after that, we can just move right on into powers, the, the meat of the system. The really fun part. So, in your average superhero game, I'm talking about like uh, mutants and masterminds, wild talents, uh, uh, the um, 
the one with the champions, uh, capes, ca cowls, and villainous foul. Uh, I'm probably going to annoy someone if I get their, the name of their favorite superhero RPG wrong. Uh, necessary, necessary evil. I like that one. It's a Savage World supplement. In your average game, you pick what you want to play. Everyone can agree to that. You make a character, you play the character. Now, Weaver Dice does something different. Yeah. Because the way you get powers in this world is different. So, same thing in Worm. In Worm, you don't really get to choose your powers. In Worm, you get your powers when something really, really bad happens to you. Like, the worst day in your life. You can't reach a new low. You get powers out of that exact moment. It's called a trigger event. Now, the situation you're in kind of decides what kind of power you have. So the way things run in Weaver Dice is that players, if you're playing a, in, in a real real life game, players will write up a particularly nasty situation that they think that justifies a trigger event. Yeah, like uh, you, get, you get savaged by wolves. Or some other very terrible thing. There's a lot you can do with it. Basically, yeah, there's Savage by Wolves. Uh, you can have a piano fall on you. Uh, if you want less cartoony things, uh, you find out that uh, you know you get you you lose your job and uh, you know the bills are coming in. Maybe it's a long-term problem. Uh, you have a gambling issue, or um, your wife's cheating on you because you got hit by the car and you can't pay the medical bills, and then the wolves. There's a lot that goes into writing a trigger event, but that deserves its own section. For brevity stake, you basically, you choose a random trigger event. You don't actually know which one you're going to get. So you yes, don't really get to decide who receives it, what kind doesn't of doesn't know what they're getting. The other players would write one, the other players from the GM would write one for you. And that's what happens. That's what sets Weaver Dice apart from other games. You don't choose your power, mm -hmm. everyone else chooses it for you. Yeah, you don't choose the circumstances in which you acquire your power. Nor do you nor do you have a say in how it manifests. However, uh, it's important for a play like a play group to understand if you're gonna write something nasty happening to a player, at least okay it by them. Like if it's something sensitive, like uh I don't know, dead babies? If someone's uncomfortable with uh, what's written for them, allow them to veto. Yeah, there's nothing wrong in vetoing it. That's a big thing. Oh, and no peanut allergies. Apparently that one's come up a lot. Yes, it did. Back on the IRC. But, moving on from that, your GM and all the players, they make this really unique power for you. And I understand that some people don't like not having a say in their power. And I understand that. But Weaver Dice and Worm are really known for their incredibly unique powers. They're not like cookie cutter, like, oh, I can fly and uh, I punch stuff really hard. We have those. But even then, those are usually pretty distinct and unique. So the benefit is yeah. that you get a power that's your own. Like that is it's your tailored power. to you. Uh, there's there's guides in uh, the Weaver Dice rules about how you would gen a power, and uh, 
the short version is that you want to look at what is written in the trigger event. You want to take some keywords, identify some themes, go through different types of powers. Uh, there's about uh, 10, 12 classifications. And you build a power that hews along the lines of what makes sense for the trauma. Uh, how about we go back to Taylor for an example? Uh, this We're going to be talking worm spoilers. We'll probably have to put a uh, preface before the video, or before the podcast episode. But yeah, Taylor, in the book, Worm, gets her powers after a long series of basically being neglected and abused. She triggers when she's stuffed into a locker filled with a bunch of garbage and crap. She triggers with the ability to get, to control bugs, basically. She triggers the short version. Isolated. Yes, this key is of isolation and being uh, metaphorically stepped on, looked down upon as an insect. So the power she ends up with is bug control. Usually it's not a such a simple one-to-one -one thing, but generally your power is going to follow the tracks of your theme. Usually goes like theme, classifications, then like mechanics, and then finally luck, which is its own thing. Oh, and uh, in terms of mechanics, uh, it's not necessarily like there is there's a system at work. Uh, Wildbo is outlining all of it in the rule books that he's writing, but he's also doing author things on the side. He's, he's writing a couple of web serials. So he, he's doing the Weaver Dice books, and there's also fan books that are filling in the gaps. So there's guides on how to do this. You're not fully without the rails. Yeah, there's a lot of fan participation over the years. A lot of stuff got kind of filled in with um, fan suggestions that were refined. So a lot of it does have a basis. There are mechanics for a lot of power effects. So usually people, I find, err more on the side of actually having power effects that like make sense and can be rolled for and they have precise you know, actions and consequences compared to just more ambiguous stuff. Most of the powers I see made across all the campaigns and everything are, I don't know how to say it, you know how they work. You know how to use them. There's not a whole lot of ambiguity in what you can and can't do. Yeah, it's not that you can't make a complicated power, but the power should have some amount of intuitiveness to it. So, you know, when you gen a power, you'll, um... Yeah, it has to have a system to it. Like, uh, if you got a blaster power, is generally speaking a gun that goes kaboom. It's, uh, yeah, it's a big blast. Sometimes you'll have one that just does pure damage, maximizes the pain. Sometimes you'll have one that's, uh, that does, like, terrain damage. Maybe it just, maybe it does less damage, but has more of a kick, like a curse. Yeah, a lot of it, there's a lot of distinction in between every category. Yeah, let's talk about them uh, classifications. In-universe, uh, the people of Earthbed have recognized uh, a handful of power types. Basically, categories are classifications that powers fit into. So, in the in Worm, and what got transferred over to Weaver Dice, there are 12 classifications. There are 
Root? I'll do the rhyme. I don't I don't even remember the rhyme actually. It's mover shaker, brute breaker, master tinker, blaster thinker, striker changer, trump and stranger. A lot of these sound kind of obvious when you say them out loud, but we can go I think we can go down the list and kind of give a brief overview of what they do. Yes, and in addition, each classification relates to a type of trauma. Uh, this isn't really known in-universe, but it'll help you if you're trying to make power. First up, Mover. It's all about going fast. Or it enhances mobility, helps you get around quicker. Maybe it makes portals. Hey, you could teleport. You could ride on a flying planet. Mover is pretty uh, obvious, but it, it falls under things like flying, teleportation, creating portals... Anything that enhances your movement, makes you go faster, uh, or allows you to Enhanced move running. Better. Anything that makes you move better. Yes, and uh, that comes from a desire to escape your current situation, generally speaking. Uh, when you've decided you can't take it anymore. It's generally what, uh, what causes a mover. Second up, shakers. Shakers are area of effect powers. Powers yeah, all about of... the AOE, yeah. uh, about making auras, <laughs> affecting terrain, making terrain. Large-scale blasts, something that affects a lot of terrain. Yeah, uh, sometimes it'll be something that uh, affects space, like uh, make things bigger or smaller, make things closer, further away. For a, a pretty basic example, uh, controlling the Earth. You can cause earthquakes in mm -hmm. 100 feet around you. That's a pretty normal shaker power. Or you got uh, some sort of telekinesis. Uh, there's no general Jean Grey style telekinesis. But instead, you'll have it keyed to uh, a type of material or a type of element. Like um, you could uh, make a lot of... Uh, make. You could just throw a lot of fire around. A lot of water. Shakers trigger from uh from ambient dangers environmental dangers yeah. like if you're Hostile in a burning environment uh, a burning house your house is burning down you're surrounded by mm -hmm. fire there's a lack of human element or else the human element is kind of abstract yes uh there's no distinct danger so much as everything is danger that leads into the third classification the brute the brute are uh, powers that make you stronger and they make you tougher yeah so if you ever imagine uh if you imagine someone like luke cade he'd be classified as a brute because his powers are enhanced strength you know he could lift a car or toughness uh he could take most things you throw at him unless you bring in the yeah brutes, it's brutes. the quote quote mm. simple one but there is some nuance to it the, it basically, it's like making yourself stronger and tougher, but there's a lot of ways you can go around it, like a personal force field. And there's a, what is it? Yeah, the, or a, uh, you, you make a shield out of stuff around you. There are different sub-classifications of all the, of the 12 classifications, but there's one where, technically, if you can just avoid harm, like, if you can just send back any attack that comes at you, that's technically a brute, because it does make you tougher on a technical level. Yeah, it's all about it's all about keeping the pain away because a brute comes from physical, Physi uh, you physical go back effects. to the car accident or uh, you fall into a, a combine harvester. Uh, it's all about the it's all about pain. pain. And yeah, uh, sometimes illness. 
if the pain is more uh, like if it's shock and horror that can affect how the power yeah the the different nuances and kind of like the classification will have an overarching kind of like this is how you get so-and-so classification of power but within that you have subcategories mm -hmm. which are kind of like they kind of focus things in more you want to move on to that yeah. next one? Oh, the Masters. Masters are able to... Their power grants them control. Uh, sometimes that will be that they make a monster, or they make many monsters and control them. Or they can sway people. Uh, they can uh, enchant them. You can, they can affect them. Uh, but the power gives them control over others, generally speaking. Technically, things that, if you create minions, that also falls under this. Minion making, uh, swaying mine. Taylor, the protagonist of Worm, is actually a master. She controls bugs. Yes, and in my experience, if you threaten people with a bunch of stinging insects, they do what you say. That's a master power. In-universe, masters are generally kind of uh feared and they they have an eye kept on them just because of their ability to control no other people like there's a bit of a stigma against them yep they can be pretty scary uh especially because a master comes from emotional trauma or isolation basically alienation uh, -huh. uh yeah basically when you're when social circle when social circles reject you outcasts of society when you're on your own when you're isolated uh sometimes or if you want to be you want to be less cynical if you need a friend your power will let you make lots of friends yes it will make you friends as is the friend power yeah uh <laughs> so uh be careful if you're playing a master that's all i'm saying oh and the next one if you're playing this you're probably in trouble from the get-go even though it's pretty cool a tinker ah tinkers one of the most extensive the of the jam yeah. one of the most extensive classifications in weaver dice tinkers are the guys who make they're kind of like tony stark you know with they they have all the advanced technology all the all the laser guns all the all the jetpacks and all these other things yeah it's like if you took tony and cut them up into little tiny pieces and some of those pieces were mr freeze or some of those pieces were other famous science-y characters. Uh, a tinker will usually have one or two things they're really good at, like uh, fire technology, or I can make a ton of guns, or, or, specialization. or I make a ton of robots, <laughs> or I break the action economy with all of my robots. Tinkers are the most extensive out of all the Weaver Dice classifications simply because they require uh, these things called build sheets, basically what they're able to build. Tinkers yes. over time get stronger because they are the one classification that can actually scan or they research their powers and kind of fit their technology with the powers that they scan. So over time, yes. they get stronger. Yeah, if you have any other power, you can go, bam, anytime, any Anytime there's a fight, your power is already always ready. A tinker needs to make and maintain the things they have. And without them, they're just regular people. I mean, unless they get under the hood and give themselves a bunch of cybernet. But not all tinkers can do that. Tinkers usually suffer from a lower... There's a bit of a curve. 
because when you start out your tech is usually kind of lame and it's kind of weak and uh, in that case it can be kind of dangerous because you start at a lower power from most others so but there's a curve yeah. so if you survive long enough the limiter to... is going to be uh it's going to be resources and whether or not you can get your hands resources what the time. tinker needs yeah whatever what, what the tinker needs will depend on the time the, the type of tinker like and maybe they just need raw money or they need uh, the, the scrap metal uh maybe they need something else something more exotic uh but uh their tech is their advantage while also being their greatest weak yeah if you separate a tinker from their tech they are essentially without their powers. And if anyone else uses their tech, it's probably going to backfire in the most violent way you can imagine. Yeah, that is true. We've mentioned subcategories before. Tinkers are unique in that they don't really have subcategories. They have methodologies. So it's more or less how they build stuff. Some tinkers, like resource tinkers, require really, really expensive and rare things, while others, like a hyper-specialist, only focus on one field, but they're really, really good at that field. We'll probably go into that some tinkers. other point. Yeah, some other time. Uh, and that if you're a tinker, you have specialties, like I previously mentioned, like fire, laser beams, rocks. Uh, and that's that'd be like, uh, that's like a comparison to elements we can get to. Tinkers, their issue is, it's like any other issue that you might find, wind it up with another cape. But it's a slow boil. Whatever their issue is, it lasts over months or maybe years. Yeah, it's a it's a built up problem. Very long term. Yeah. Uh, so you have a trauma with a long time. You get a uh, you get a, a hero or villain that uh, needs a long time to get their stuff going. Mm -hmm. And they get better as time goes on. All right. Next up is a relatively simple one: a blaster. Oh shit, we didn't do breaker. Ah, whoops. They both start with a B. Busy B. Uh the breaker. We'll arrange it later. Yeah, we'll we'll go the the breaker is one that I think we can we can do later. I might as well cover it now. Uh breakers are a type of cape that they don't they have two states. Their normal state, where they're just regular people, and their breaker state where they're super powered. Breakers uh, are different from another classifications in that their breaker form, their altered state, is usually something that is alien. It kind of defies conventional physics, both in its appearance and yep. in its power. It's made right from power stuff. Usually, it's a... Uh, I, I guess the, a good way to describe it is it's less biology-focused. A breaker will be more or less made out of energy or some other esoteric material basically yeah. not organic yeah it could be like uh maybe it'll have an elemental focus like they become a ball of fire or a uh, ball of light or a uh, a cube of light and sometimes they get really really weird like living spatial warps yeah so whatever it is it's obviously you look at it and you say that's a that's some reality warping going on right there yeah, that's uh, that's some that's some crazy shenanigans. As opposed to the changer, uh, which we'll get into later. So breakers, as you may gather, 
they trigger from altered mental states, mental illnesses, uh, copious drug use, uh, heightened emotions, heightened emotions, brain damage. Yeah, sometimes they will have like another type of classification mixed in, but uh, some of the rules to what makes the power will be jumbled. Like, well, what if a mover has a desire to escape from something that is inescapable? Or a master feels isolated in a crowd of people that's loving. Yeah, you generally get... That could be grounds for a breaker. Yeah, you, you, you get strangers... Uh, excuse me. You get stranger effects. So you your altered state kind of affects... Uh, I lost my train of thought right there. There's there's upsides and downsides to a breaker that are much more uh, strict than with other classifications. So more of a kick with a downside. Definitely. Uh, yeah, like maybe you have a time limit, or your breaker power needs uh, like a like a charge meter that messes, you have to. Make. It messes with your head is a pretty popular one. You know, you kind of trigger mm -hmm. from a you trigger from like drug use or like mental issues, and in your breaker state the way you think and your thought patterns are different. They're switched. Usually not for the better. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if you don't balance the time you spend in Human and Breaker, you're probably going to run into trouble. Breakers do generally get, I don't want to say stronger powers, but they get powers that are uh, maybe a bit more kind of reality-breaking. So it's kind of an offset between you kind of have this time limit to use it and you have this power, which is kind of harder to defend. Yeah. Bigger ups, lower down. Uh, next up is the blaster. Fairly simple, actually. Yes. Uh, you just have a... Uh, you could probably splice in the stuff I said about blasters earlier, but uh, it's all about big offensive attack at the distance. So it could be like a sniper bullet, or it could be like a barrage. Basically, a blaster mm -hmm. makes projectiles. It makes ranged... It's a range power. It has some sort of ranged effect. Yeah. And uh, some of them, they benefit from ranged skills. So you don't have to use a gun. By the way, don't use a gun. We'll get to that later. Yes. You don't have to use a firearm to benefit from uh, from from skills of range. Like, you don't have to have a gun to benefit from range skills if you are a blaster. Because then you have other things to spend them on, such as your blast. So things like shooting fire out of your hands, uh, creating bolts of lightning, shooting, uh, shooting like big balls of ice that explode and freeze. Yeah, blasters generally they, they kind of some of them do have an overlap with a shaker because some blasts generate a, like the fallout is kind of a a large scale effect. So those two sometimes kind of lead into each other. Yeah, and uh, what they shoot is typically called an element. It's like a, like a modifier or a spin. And uh, the element is something you can pull from the trigger event. Like, um... Fire. If there was some fire, maybe they play around with fire. Uh, if uh, there's a missed opportunity, well, I guess they shoot, uh, I guess they shoot time at people and make things go back. So there's a bit of a two-parter with blasters. On one hand, you have the form your projectile takes, whether it's like a shotgun spray or a huge bullet or what have you. A boomerang. Uh -huh, and a boomerang. And then the other half is the element, which is basically the effect that projectile carries. Yeah. And uh, the trigger event for a blaster is 
being afraid of a danger coming at you from a long distance. Befitting a ranged power, your the focus of your trigger is probably something that's at range. It's not in your face, but it's it's yeah. something that you can see. It's something coming your way. Yeah, it's like uh, if you're in a gunfight, or yes, it has to be far enough for you to for you to think in your head. It's too, it's too far for me to do anything about. I'm help. This is... Uh, and that'll end up with a blaster. Yeah. A blaster is kind of the antith- antithesis of a striker, which we will get to. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of dangers that could constitute a blaster. It doesn't even have to be uh, something of personal harm to yourself. If something that you cherish is at risk of being destroyed and you're too far to reach it, that could be a blaster. Yeah. Uh, we definitely will talk about this, uh, maybe this episode, but a lot of, like, what kind of power you end up with, uh, depends a lot on the subcategories. But I think Mm -hmm. we can move to Thinker. Ooh, Thinkers, the smart boys. Mental powers. Stuff like... Now, we're not talking, uh, we're not talking, uh, you look at someone and their brain explodes. No telepathy. That'd be another kind of power. Definitely yeah. not telepathy. Telepathy is, telepathy is not really a thing here. Instead, the idea of what telepathy is got split up into little tiny parts. So, there's different kinds of thinker power. Anything that affects, uh, your thought processes. So, even some, like, if you see the world at, like, one one hundredth of the speed of what it's really going at, that's a thinker yeah. power. If you can if see, you can see like, things in slow motion, uh, you can uh, you, your senses can go through walls. You know exactly what to say to win an argument. You know exactly where to put your knives during a. F- yeah, you know right where to um, you know where to be when a bomb goes off, and you'll just and you'll have the perfect landing. Precognition also falls under this seeing the future not really a lot of future seeing powers uh not just because they'd be annoying for the gm mechanically they are kind of hard to those are the one things that become kind of an issue some clairvoyance oh enhanced skill use if you like god tier skill that's a thinker yeah if you're like um if you are a master acrobat or an escape artist uh if it's all in your head uh, then it can, then you can call it a thinker power. Yeah, it's, it's primarily, it's not, I guess I, it's not really a flashy power. It's all focused in your mind. And that is where your trigger comes from. It mental is, stress. Mental stress. Uh, it can be mental trauma. It can be guilt. It can be shame. Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Compared to something like a, a master or a tinker, this is a short-term problem, and it's it's in your head. It is an internal... Yes. So, it could be, like, a, if if you stretched it out to a long-term issue, you get a, you get a tinker. If you focused on, like, betrayal or isolation, it may be a master. But if it's the pure mental stress, or if it's shock, and it happens just extremely quickly, so fast that you can hardly keep up, then that's a thinker. So... Gives you the tools needed to work with the problem while not actually solving it. So maybe if you were engaged in some kind of insider trading and your boss calls you in the office and you know he's about to catch you for it, that might be a mental trigger. That's a that's a thinker yeah. trigger. Or, um, let's see. Hmm. 
Yeah, thinkers are the difficult ones. You'd be surprised, but a lot of it, a lot of it's because there's a, a bit of a leeway between like, is this master? Is this tinker? Is this what have you? But I guess the most important takeaway is that this is a, it's an internal issue. It's not quite a blaster. It's not a shaker. It's not a master. Yeah, there's no external, uh, there's no flashy part. It's all in your head. That's where your issue lies. Like indecision. If you can't make a decision, mm-hmm. or if or if you have to make a choice, if you're worried about the and future, you make the wrong one, trying to make a choice where like oh, like a big accident, like yeah. a Rube Goldberg machine accident. Yeah, like a ton of people get killed because of something you did all the way on the end of the assembly line because you weren't doing your job. That could be a thing. If you have a choice you have to make between one thing that is really bad for you and one thing that's really bad for everyone else. That can be a thinker. Yeah, it's all about the. Uh, it's all about a mental crisis, and you. And it happens like, at most, a couple of days, maybe weeks. Yes. But then after <clears throat> that, it becomes. Uh, next up is the strike. The striker. That is also kind of self-explanatory. Yes. If you take what makes a blaster and you zoom it in real close. That's a striker. They don't have range, but they have a lot more of <clears throat> touch-based, incredibly short-range effects. Melee Typically, effects, they're basically. really dangerous. Yeah, like if you make weapons, or uh, if you uh, mess people up so bad that they uh, that they can't fight you anymore with just a touch, that's a striker. Point, you want to stay away from Point-blank telekinesis also follows that under that. Point-blank pyrokinesis. A lot of effects where it's like, if it's within like a foot or two of you, and that's like basically where you can control or five it. feet. Yeah, five feet. That is a that's a striker ability. It's extremely close range. Yeah. If you are in arm's reach of a striker, you're in serious danger. Yeah. The name of the game is don't get touched. Yeah, it's like extreme tag. Yes. And Only instead of being it, you're destroyed. Yes, definitely. Or you're frozen in time. Or any number of there's some weird things. striker powers. Yes, any number of strange things that will end your life or make it incredibly inconvenient for the next ten years. And befitting of their title and their power, strikers trigger from up close threats, in your face threats. That's why I say yeah, it's got to be in a real close, like uh, someone brought the knife to the fist fight. Uh. Or you're being cornered, quite literally, in a room. The, I, I call them the antithesis of the blaster. Because it's kind of like the same type of threat. Except now it's no longer out of range. It's right in front of you. It's in, Yeah, it's in your face. So, it's a fairly simple classification. But, surprisingly, it actually comes up with a lot of really weird effects. Oh yeah, like it's not always, I know, uh, I'm going to have a power to uh, answer the knife fight problem and get a bigger knife. Sometimes there can be some really strange ones. So I think what's up next is the changer, which is sort of the opposite of the breaker, I guess. Changers also have a kind of altered state, but theirs is a more organic, biological, mutation-based thing. Uh, turning into animals, 
or turning into creatures like animals. Yeah, basically, if you become a giant freak of nature that's still kind of grounded in flesh and blood and other yeah squeaky if you're still something organic like you become a big bug or you become something like a dragon or um or a mollusk or any other weird nasty stuff you find in nature that can be a changer yeah changers usually have a lot of versatility in that they can choose a lot of their mutations they usually have a bit of a variability in what they do yes it's uh variety is the name of the game for the change so changers primarily trigger from imagery issues particularly the self-image where they stand in society they're kind of similar to masters in a sense crisis yeah identity <laughs> crisis definitely that's a really big one yep. uh it's yeah each power is a little ironic Hmm. You have an identity problem? I'll make you a new, disgusting, frightening identity that you can go into whenever you want. Yeah, especially if you see yourself as like a freak of nature, if you're incredibly ugly, that can lead to... A the powers that be will say you haven't seen anything yet. They tend to actually kind of lean into masters at times, simply because they kind of trigger from uh, social situations where... You know, your self-imagery is at stake, who you are as a person. Yeah, you see yourself as one thing and everyone else sees you as another. Uh, a rich man who's living well beyond his means suddenly finds himself bankrupt and he, like, can't cope with, like, his... How he's no longer that person. He was never really, like, the rich guy. Uh, there can be different kinds of changes, or like uh, someone who is called a coward, and he tries to he tries to act tough. Maybe he carries a knife around with him, uh, but when he um, when he has a moment to prove that he uh, he's made of sterner stuff, maybe he gets into a real fight that he picked, or maybe his life is in danger, and he. F I'm not saying that he'll become a giant chicken, but you know. It's, it's, could. it's an issue where, like, who you are is at stake. Yeah, who you are, what you want to be, and what you will become. Okay, so the next classification is a little bit odd. It's uh, called the Trump, which is basically kind of the a... The card term. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a wheelhouse of you affect powers. You can give them, you can mess with them, you can take them, or you can nullify them. They're actually Or you can take rare. someone else's powers and tweak them. They're pretty rare because of how they develop. And they can be kind of hard to balance. Yeah, they're times. meta powers. Yeah, they, they are kind of meta powers. Because they come from... Or like... Um, yes. Uh, a trigger event for a Trump explicitly involves another person or other people with powers getting involved in your life. Typically making it work. Yeah, for one reason or another uh you you won't usually find like straight trump powers in uh weaver dice simply because they kind of hinge on them only being useful in the presence of other powers but yeah uh there's yeah. also ones that have like a handful of powers instead of just the one but they all follow a same theme, like a guy that has five different uh, blasts he can do instead of just the one. Yeah, five different power Hard sets. Hard to balance. Uh, being able to kind of take powers, 
the, it all comes from a Give sort people of, powers. Yeah. That's a rare That's a really rare one, actually. Yeah, you don't see it too often. And uh, mechanically speaking, these things are tricky to manage. Uh, also, it's hard to relate. Uh, as a, as a, If you're going to be role-playing someone, it's difficult to relate to someone whose difficulty in life involves superpowers. I don't know anyone who's had that kind of issue personally. That That is the exact issue with Trump Triggers, where it, it, it's I've a I've never been attacked a by a dinosaur a mad scientist made, or I've never been shot with a laser beam from a reckless superhero fight. Yeah, it's 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 a power where it's like it can, all these other triggers they can be kind of grounded in reality, but a trump trigger directly relies on there being superpowers. Yeah, or people with powers nearby, like uh, oh, I'm bleeding out faster than this guy can heal me with his magic touch. Yeah, but I don't mean to harp on trump triggers. It's just that they tend not it's to show rare. up. They definitely tend not to show up. I'm not saying don't use them. Uh, it's just not for. I I wouldn't suggest letting a player play a Trump for their. Not not a pure Trump. Not you could like have one for like an NPC. Yeah, not not like a straight Trump. They probably need to have something tacked onto it. Yeah. Uh, if you make a power that's only good around other people's powers, it's um, kind of boxes them in. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it's uh, a pigeonhole. So I think, uh, I think, are we down to the last one, Stranger? Yes, the last one, the Stranger. Uh, strangers have powers similar to a lot of other classifications, but they're themed towards stealth and misdirection. Trick. Oh, I think you cut out there for a second. Oh, sorry. I said uh, they have powers themed around stealth, misdirection, and trickery. Yes. Uh, illusionist, turning invisible. Uh, what are some other good uh, ones? Redirecting attacks. Oh. Uh, jinxing people. Uh, kind of limiting limiting visibility and senses. So if you can take away someone's like sight or hearing one way or another, that is stranger. Yeah, like smoke. Yeah, creation of smoke, uh, basically adjusting the volume or the sound in one area or another, that is, that is Stranger. Yeah, if the goal of the power is you mess with people and you make it harder to be found, then that's very Stranger. Strangers also kind of gaslight people. It's, it's the sense of like... You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's causing this. You don't know what's happening. That's why there is yeah. an in-universe term called Master Stranger Protocols, which we will get into. Not to be confused with Stranger Danger. But stranger Danger is something else. Equally important. Yes. Watch out for those strangers. Uh, and uh, the way you get a stranger is uh there the trauma involves uh undue scrutiny or uh, being Attention. seen uh, in a way that you don't want to be if you're being like uh like paparazzi if you're like an important actor yeah if you're being harassed being or harassed stalked or harangued then you can't yeah or peace. um yeah you're afraid of someone to the sense 
in the afraid you're afraid to the extent that being seen or perceived by them uh, causes you a lot of fear stress anxiety those things can result in a stranger uh but they bleed into other categories like um Master. if you were yeah if you're afraid of someone if you're afraid of something coming at you uh and it's danger that could be like a striker with a stranger effect on them master strangers actually do show up because they kind of lead into like yeah uh, social alienation and like uh negative attention being paid to you so negative like, attention that's the key word uh for a stranger yeah you you don't want this attention yeah and the power figures out a way for you not to have it anymore uh a stranger shaker is a good one because it's about like a bad environment a bad scene maybe you grew up in a broken home and you just you don't want mm -hmm. like an abusive parent to notice you so like you're constantly yeah or it's like fear. um or you feel like the the um you feel like the eyes the walls have eyes and they're looking uh maybe you're hiding out in a closet away from some bullies and they find you and they're trying to break down the door that can be like a like a striker stranger or like a master stranger it a lot or of it's it a really depends. long hallway a blaster yes a lot of it depends on the mindset that is one of the biggest things yeah. when it comes to creating your power it's where your character's focus is yeah what's going on in the character's head can determine where the power so, so when you're writing a trigger event, don't forget. Yeah, definitely don't forget that. Because even if you're, like, being cornered in an alleyway, if, even if it's like, oh, these people are in front of me, and that scream striker, if their focus is on something farther away that's coming at them, well, that's, it matters more to the power what the person is focusing on. I mean, definitely take into yeah, the Yeah, the other emotions, things. feelings... Uh, what's going on in their head that can give you clues as to where you should take that power <clears throat> generally like power design is free form yeah with with a lot of guidelines for uh, people that want additional assistance or guidance in uh, making a thematic power which is the goal of a power and weaver generally uh when you're making your power whatever your character is focusing on should kind of be like the like the pillar like the central pillar of your power and then everything happening around it yeah. should be kind of like the branches yeah the uh the periphery will influence and flavor parts of the power but you want to find a single cornerstone to focus your efforts on so with all this talk of the classic classifications on these powers well where did it all come from well more often than not weaver dice and worm as a whole is set in the u.s of a uh, can't you hear those eagles screaming broadcast uh it's beautiful somewhat like turkeys apparently apparently the eagle sound effect is from a hawk that sounds cool yeah so generally speaking uh most weaver dice games take place in north america because that's where the book worm Oh, the, uh, the, the web serial Worm had a majority of its events. So there's a lot of... So there's an understanding. There's a lot of, a lot of material focus. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, a... Well, how did this happen, or how does this work? 
there's a lot of world building in Worms, so a lot of it's kind of pre-built for you. And one of the biggest, yes. biggest things in Worm is uh, a national and international group called the PRT, the Parahuman Response Team, and its subsidiary, yes. the Protectorate and the Wards. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's the closest thing this world has to a big name group like the Justice League or the Avengers, but uh, far more. Oh, cut out again. Sorry about that. I think I pressed the button too quickly. Uh, I said it's your closest equivalent to something like the Justice League or the Avengers in Parahumans, but they're much more grounded. So the PRT is kind of divided in three ways. There is the actual PRT, which are unpowered people who oversee like all the the American, uh, I guess all, all the capes in America. They handle all this stuff. Yeah. They look after it. They look after the cities and everything. Then you have the protectorate. Point of clarification. Point of clarification we forgot to mention earlier. I guess we could put this wherever we want in the video or in the podcast episode. A person with powers in parahumans is generally recalled a cape. Yes. Whether or not they wear one. That's just the colloquial term. Cape, parahuman, yada yada yada. Yeah, everyone's got uh, everyone's got a special way of referring to their people with powers. Uh, not supers, not mutants. These guys are capes. And in countries that really don't like parahumans, they're more often than not called parahumans because cape... yeah, more clinical scientific yeah. term. Cape culture, as it's referred to in the book, with all like the like the superheroes and supervillains and everything. It's almost like a North American thing, whereas in, like, Russia and China, it's more of a, they're just criminals. Or it's just Metal Gear. Russia is Metal Gear. Russia is Metal Russia is a hellhole is what it is. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to see where, uh, where uh, that game goes. Ah, Belgorod. Shout out to Fabrizer. Anywho. Oh, yes, yeah, so that's gonna be nuts. Anywho. Right. So... so- uh, what we call, what we would call like a heroes and villains setup that you see in a lot of books, a lot of comics, movies, shows, that is mostly limited to North America. Yeah, North America is kind of your classic superhero setting. Now, we talked about the PRT, which is kind of like the government and infrastructure handle of it. The protector and the wards are where the actual capes get involved. They're basically two halves of a whole. The Protectorate yeah. is the adult team of capes, of the superheroes. The wards are the under-18. Yeah, yeah Perry, the the uh, the capes of the PRT in the Protectorate, they're full-time heroes. It's what they do for a living. They're paid very well. So they'll... Well, yeah, it's a it's, uh, high turnover rate, if you can imagine it. Good health. Good health package, probably. Uh, I hope they have a good life insurance. Uh, but yeah, they, they patrol. Uh, they work with the cops. They fight crime. They uh, they do, they do lots of paperwork. Stuff. It's almost like being a cop. They're just like yeah. super... Basic I mean, superheroes. Yeah, they're, they're superheroes. They're the classic 
superheroes. They fight crime. They fight the bad guys. They do community outreach stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of with additional uh, bureaucracy. Yeah, with a lot of bureaucracy. There's a yeah, lot I mean, of I, I made the police comparison because they have rules that they that they abide to. If you're a vigilante, you can't be with the PRT. You can't be with the protectorate. If you're in the protectorate, you're in the protectorate. Same thing goes to wards. Basically, anything that can be said for the protectorate can be said for the wards. Except the wards are yep, obviously... they got your butt until you're 18. Uh, with the permission of your parents, of course. Yeah, the wards are basically like the under 18. So they're kind of sectioned with more stuff like, Oh, we can't send the 14-year-old cape against the dude who fires acid. The guy who uh, makes he makes rocket launchers out of his skin. Maybe we shouldn't take the kid there. Yeah, we can't, we can't send the 10-year-old to defeat the dude who turns you inside out with the touch. Hey, this one's 16, and we need people. I mean, yeah, there's obviously situations where it's like, okay, well, this is an all-hands-on-deck moment. Oh, side note about the PRT. In addition to being an organizational governing body, well, quote, governing body, an organizational body to help with the protectorate, they also have, uh, they have, a, basically, they have riot squads. Uh, they wear, they wear special suits, mirror masks for their faces and uh they go in there and they help the heroes they help the protectorates take out villains they're like specially trained swat teams called PRT. Yeah, some troopers. of them come from military some of them uh have like police backgrounds uh and they get they get armed with top of the line weapons non-lethal we'll get into that mostly rubber bullets uh mostly. to supplement the heroes one thing that they used is something called containment foam, which is a really sticky, really, really strong, really insulated and flame retardant kind of foam that they use to capture people non-lethally. It's like their their go-to. Yeah. Once you get foam, you're basically it's fireproof. Out. It's uh, you can't suffocate in it. You can't hurt yourself in it. They just fill you up with foam and load you off to jail. I think that's a pretty good segue into the unwritten rules yes uh here's the thing if you have a bunch of people though we've told you that he, the powers come from trauma if you have a lot of people that have been through a lot of stuff and they have poor coping mechanisms and they have powers that actively encourage getting into dangerous situations unless you have an underlying setup of premises and little unspoken agreements to prevent everyone from killing each other they're going to start killing each other yeah so there's a few things called the unwritten rules which are as you guess are kind of a, a a gentleman's code that were decided a long time ago and there's a few uh tenants to it we can go through a couple here uh, one big one is the three strikes rule basically in the worm verse there's this really super max prison that they send all the really bad guys to it's called the Bird oh we should cage. talk about normal prisons first so like in a lot of shows if a super villain goes to jail they're coming out like sometime within the next season it's a cardboard prison they get out with ease uh worm and parahumans identifies that and uh basically you're you, you're able to get out of jail relatively quick if you're a supervillain because it's not designed to contain you. So you're 
they're more or less allowed to get away three times. And after that, they're going to review your record. And they're going to say, well, you're, prob you're a threat to society, you're violent, you're dangerous. You're going to the birdcage. Birdcage is where they send all of the bad boys and girls. And it's basically a pit. It, like, no one ever gets out. You can't get out. Uh, there is a chapter that talks about the birdcage in such fine detail that it crushes any hopes that you could escape. The idea here is that you get three chances to walk away, turn over a new leaf, clean up your act, so on and so forth, or stay stay out of the law's way. Obviously, there are some situations where, like the three strikes act, doesn't apply. Like if you. Bomb if a you're school a contract bus, killer, if you bomb a school bus full of children, you're not getting your three strikes. That's, that's pretty much yeah. automatic birdcage. Yeah, We're that about goes back like in burglary. If you like, if rob you, a store. Yeah, if you're a killer, if you use firearms blatantly, if you use powers that can mind control people to uh, violate certain rights of freedom, uh, commit sex crimes, yeah, sexual harassment. Uh, uh, if you torture. do those. Yeah, if you do those things, then it's not just the PRT. It's not like in Grand Theft Auto where the, the cops will raise their focus on you. No, if you're a villain that does this and it gets out, other villains will start gunning for you. Ba basically, everyone kind of like shakes hands like, all right, let's go murder him. And the PRT yes. doesn't even like, like, it doesn't matter if these other people are like burglars and other criminals. They basically, okay, we're not arresting each other, we're not fighting each other, we're just gonna go kill that guy. And yeah. they do. If, yeah, like drug dealers, uh, gangbangers, uh, they will, if they're, like, if they're super villains, and they dip into other crimes, in a sense, they have to, they have to keep their hands clean. Because when they go villain, they have to balance, they have to watch their toes, they have to watch the unwritten rules. Otherwise, other villains will have an excuse to gun after them. Yeah, and that's it happens both. You both you see it both in Weaver Dice, and you see it in Worm. Oh, I forgot the secret identities. Uh, in the real world, you could probably figure out like Superman's secret identity, like lickety split. Same thing maybe for Bruce Wayne. And because this hue is close to reality, you could probably figure out who's under that mask. Uh, if you're if you're like the FBI, you could you could, or if you have a power that reveals what people's faces look like, you could just get right on that. You don't because if you if your rival in the drug business is a mostly mentally unstable guy who shoots fire out of his hands, and he has a loving family he goes to when he's not fighting you, what do you think he's going to do if you take that away from him? That's a really big thing. Um, basically, no one wants to know your secret identity because basically no one wants to deal with that kind of thing. That comes with a lot of problems. One of the yes. quickest ways to get birdcaged is if you go for someone's secret identity and you reveal it publicly and then you go after like their family or their friends. Like you don't like yes. the cape life is separate from like the normal life. You you separate those. Yeah, if you gun for someone's family, then all bets are off. That applies to both the heroes and villains. There's a person in-universe who went around 
killing villains' families and the villains themselves. At the end of the day, no one really cared that he was doing this to villains. He still went to the birdcage. Yes, because every little crack at those rules that everyone needs in order to not descend into into super powered anarchy every single like every crack every violation has to be hammered against yeah because like you know if suddenly no one's there's following the bigger problems rules, if, if there's no unwritten rules then there's just chaos the way this works is it's kind Would of you like, like a, to segue into those bigger problems uh sure but i will say one thing firearms in w in in weaver dice and worm capes don't use them unless like their power specifically has to use guns even then it's a very yes that is important so if you have a power that's technically more dangerous than a gun like you shoot lasers and those lasers are made out of molten metal uh that could probably kill you better than a gun but that's what that's what their power does they can't really help that if he carried a machine gun, that'd be a different story. Theoretically, uh, you could use the lava power for things that aren't shooting people. It's kind of a status thing, where it's like yes. if you bring if you're if you're bringing a gun to a fight, you're basically like, all right, I'm here to kill you. I'm, I'm if you here bring to, a gun I'm to an arrangement, if you bring a gun to a meeting, you're saying if it doesn't go my way, I'm going to use it, uh, and you can accrue pretty bad rep that way. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great way to get everyone just kind of to hammer you. Yes. Uh, so if you use lethal force, if you uh, if you if you uh, sexually harass people, you commit sex crimes with your power, uh, mind control. That's a big one. Uh, secret identity violation, murder. Basically, the the really serious crimes. Are the ones that like yeah. lo- you lose your privileges, like robbing a convenience store where no one gets hurt. That's one thing. Going up to someone on the street and no just one like punching a hole in their re- head—that's a different story. Uh, so, in game terms, that's uh, some of the reasons why you would, if you have a mind control power, to be careful with it, or if you make guns in your garage and they make things explode, you want to be careful. Yeah, it's it's a lot about image. Yes. Uh, even the PRT, the first two letters are P and R. So you mentioned uh, some bigger issues. Did you want to touch on this? Yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so, in addition to the occasional villain <clears throat> that crosses a line... Uh, or if they're like they're like a, like a pack of murder hobos, or they make a giant robot army and they're gonna take over the city. Those are big issues. Those are like A class threats. On top of those are what we call S class. We're talking things breakers. that grow exponentially big. Yeah, things that grow exponentially big. They're like living forces of nature, uh, and. Biggest of all are the Endbringers. The Endbringers. Really big nasties. Basically, a trio of three monsters, Behemoth, Leviathan, and Simmer, all of whom are terrible in their own ways, and they bring 
they basically hit up like cities and locations every month to just no every three months. Uh, they they basically work on a schedule. They work on a schedule yes. where they just hammer locations year after year. They're they're and basically it's, just it's storms like seemingly random. Yeah. This is that that's one of the things where it's actually uh why like they let these burglars out of jail is because if an endbringer comes, they don't want to have half their cave population in jail. They want people to kind of defend the city. And that's where everyone kind of shakes hands yes. like, "All right, well, now we all have to fight it." Yeah, because <laughs> endbringers are if this is a if this is a world where your chances of life are low, fighting an endbringer is basically suicide. But someone has to do it. It's mentioned uh, because in the story. These things will destroy cities. They'll render whole swaths of land radioactive. They'll drive people insane. It's mentioned someone in the story has to stop. That one of them, Leviathan, there is like one in four people who fight him die. There, is it? Is it three? In, I think it's one in four people survive. Oh yeah. It's one in four survive. So there's a 75% chance of you dying if you fight it. And he's kind yes. of, he's almost like the most reasonable one. I to think fight. he's the team one. He, he only causes catastrophic damage to cities. Basically, he creates giant tidal waves. Yeah, like a hundred feet of them. Yeah, the, the team one makes tidal waves. The other one, if you get within a hundred feet of it, you, you die. Yeah, he just boils your internal organs, or he just radiates. How's it three hundred feet? It doesn't matter. He has a death aura. He can. He basically. Yeah, they call it a death energy. aura. He controls energy, so if you try punching him, he can just ground the kinetic force, ignore it. He can leak. Well, radiation. if you were close enough to punch him, you'd already be done with. He could shoot lightning. He he can control a bunch of stuff, and it's important to notice that like all of them like. All three of them completely annihilated cities. They've destroyed a yes. bunch of crap. Well, they only do it one <coughs> at a time. Usually. Yeah. Uh, no apocalyptic god monster tag teams uh, with these three. They Thank they almost kind of have a bit of a fairness to them. Yeah. So you. So the idea is that when. You, it's very difficult to tell where they're going next, but when one shows up, all the heroes and villains need to get their acts together and fight it, because it wants to kill everyone. And more than that, and people, everything on the people from around the globe show up to fight these things. Like it's oh like, yeah, we gotta, depending we gotta if time it. allows. Yeah, if there's someone whose power <coughs> is to move a lot of people quick, oh they're they're gonna be they're gonna be hauling it bringing as many heroes and villains as they can to fight this thing and hopefully drive it off so that it only threatens the world again in three months. It's important to know like an A-class threat is maybe a danger to the city. An S-class threat is where we start like reaching out to other countries for help. It's a danger to everyone on the planet. The Endbringers really only show up in Weaver Dice as kind of uh, big boss battles. You're not really fighting them, you're fighting the circumstances around them.
in particular, uh, one of the games I ran, uh, Traverse City, ended with uh, an Endbringer fight. Yes, it's a good finale. Uh, it's like, okay, we've had our hero and villain fun. Now let's now let's see what happens if everyone can play nice, uh, or if we're just going to have to quarantine the place. It they're 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 forces of destruction. They're not really something that you put down the board and it's like, all right, go kill that thing, because you're you're just yeah. not going to kill it. There isn't a challenge rating. It doesn't have health. It doesn't have stats. It's just there, and it doesn't like you in particular. What the whole purpose is, is that you deal with the situations around it. You deal with the aftermath. You get out of its way when possible. You handle other objectives as they come up to try to drive it yeah, off. Like, oh no, it's attacking a shelter with people. We have to get them out of there. Uh, it's not, we have to stop it. It's, no, 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 we're not stopping that thing. We have exactly. You're, you're not supposed to try to kill one. Because literally, in-universe... In Weaver Dice, you are not going to be able to kill it. Doesn't matter what your power is. Yeah. So there is sometimes you get that sense of futility. You want to it's it's not futile to fight these things per se. I mean, head on a fight, you're not going to win. But if you succeed your objectives, you can make it uh you, you can sort of take the victory away from it. Uh, you can set up, uh, you can help people uh, evacuate, you can uh, maybe deny it, whatever it was looking for, uh, in order to uh, to hurt morale. Exactly, you're basically uh, Maybe if you away. accomplish all those objectives. You... Technically, if, if like a whole, if a whole, like, quarter of the city is flattened before the thing leaves, and then it goes... That's a victory. Yeah, basically, you want to have something uh, only to go back Only twenty-five percent of us died, and maybe we can live here again. Like, um, which Lion in France is the place that had like two Endbringer attacks. Yes, it had two Endbringer attacks. There's actually who who runs that game? Is it is it LRD? Yeah, it's LRD. You have to be. It's unlucky enough to have one of these things attacks your place. Your, your home. How unlucky do you have to be to have one attack it twice? Yeah, Embringer attacks usually, not always, but some, I guess it's more accurate. Sometimes when they go to attack a place, there's a purpose to it. Like, uh, Lion had a bunch of radioactive plants, so the Embringer's objective was to destroy them. If they had yeah. run a game against it, it would have been to prevent it from getting to the radioactive plants. Yeah, or th maybe they want to uh, set off a bomb, or they want to hurt someone who could potentially aid humanity. So, so they have so these forth. goals. So Weaver Dice itself has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of games, even right now. Like, we've had games for years. Uh, LRD runs a Lion. I run Reno. Uh... Jicker runs... And I run Tampa. You run Tampa. That's a, that's a real good one. Oh, yeah. Jicker has Pittsburgh. That's a good one. And Malkuth. Mal Malkuth. Malkuth. Uh, Fab had... Had Palermo. Belgorod. Basically, games keep popping up. So it's an ongoing system. We're constantly stress testing. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with just jumping in with your own game. We have templates to make campaigns. We have... Docs. We have characters. yeah, we have character sheets. 
We, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, Lost So I think next episode, we might delve into more stuff. Oh, in I the think system. we could, real quick, just uh, because if we're gonna have people on here, hypothetically, we got to talk about their games. But we're the hosts, so tell me a little bit about the game you're running. That's a fair point. Reno. Reno is set in Reno, Nevada, obviously, in 2006. And it follows basically the aftermath of, like, all the all the pre-existing gangs. They got, like, all their leaders just died. Like, one guy showed up, Anathema, showed up, murdered them all, and then just vanished. Reno takes place in the aftermath where, basically, all the power is, like, shifting. There's a bunch of vacuums. And my players... Uh... Iridium, Darkstorm, Costo Biolith. I'm sorry, I'm having a brain fart here. Oh my gosh. How could I do this to my own players? Ah, you wound them. You'll have to edit it after the fact so they never know. Yeah, I'll just I'll just edit it. I love all of you guys. If you're if you're watching this, your GM loves you. But enough about my embarrassment. How's, how about Tampa, John? You've been running Tampa for a while. Oh, yes. A couple of months, if you count those breaks. Uh, Weaver Dice Tampa uh, takes place in that one big city in Florida that is... Uh, so in Tampa, the idea was make it bright, make it flashy. Uh, my idea wasn't make it a meat grinder. That just sort of happened. Oh, yeah, and more along the way, but that's just the way. Yeah, so in Tampa, the premise, initial premise, was that you have this understaffed, uh, slightly corrupt uh, PRT department. Uh, the one director, he's getting old, he retires early, is not his problem anymore, so he just goes. Uh, new director says, I gotta clean up town, and that makes a problem with the local gangs, or specifically, the one gang, and all of the other gangs try to wedge their way into Tampa because they see the trouble. That was the start of Tampa, and since then, multiple factions have risen, multiple factions have died. Uh, some people have gotten shot in the face in spite of the no-guns rule. Some people have been annihilated in spite of the no-annihilation rule. No disinterest. Yeah, Weaver Dice games uh, it's tend, a to, tend to bit escalate. Of a My current players, I got Yatar, uh, Yataro, Flying Monkeys, Lord Typhoon, Mena, and Zombie Crow. I've had with all of them. Uh, some 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 real some real crazy upsets. Uh, I could have sworn I was going to kill the telemarketer several times. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe next time he won't be saved by a car. Also, also shout out to my players. I'm definitely not looking at my campaign list right now. Mickey, Iridium, Jupiter, Costa Violet, and Darkstorm. You know I love you guys. This, this is a labor of love. Mm. GMing is a labor of love. Yeah, I make it easier for myself by uh, pointing to different people in the server and just assigning characters to them uh assigning factions assigning gangs uh broadcast is running the pirate gang in my it's called delegation that's what all professionals oh do. yeah 
Yeah, only I do it for free, and I make everyone else do it for free for me. All right, well... I think that's all the things to cover. That that was our first episode of WD Radio. Thank you for watching, and thank you for listening to us babble for an hour and 45 minutes. I promise next time, this is going to be a much more efficient process. But please, yeah, let hey, us bro, know what you think. Now it'll be like an hour and 30. Yeah, when who this knows? Is done. Yeah, this has been pretty fun. I hope everyone enjoyed listening to the sounds of my voice as much as I did. Oh man, you gotta love tech issues, am I right? Anyway. Ivey. Be on the lookout. Alright, well, for, see everyone for, later. For next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.